Welcome to In the Know. This is a special episode focusing on my new novel, Claim Denied. It's an electrifying international cyber espionage thriller, and it emerged from my experience as a higher education consultant at the American University of Kosovo in Pristina, Kosovo. Now, the setting is 2013. It starts in Minneapolis and moves then to Pristina, Kosovo, and there are a couple of scenes in Macedonia. Publication, I hope, is by the end of this year, the end of 2020. Currently, I'm preparing for interactive virtual book launching. Date yet to be determined. It should be fun, informative, and I'll have a couple of giveaways. For more information, not only about the launching, but also about publication dates, please email me at diane at dianeabroad.com. That's D-I-A-N-N at D-I-A-N-N-A-B-R-O-A-D.com. Check the show notes where you can see the book cover and read a blurb about Claim Denied. And I want to shout out to Rafael Javadov. He provided the music entitled Journey. It is perfect for a thriller. Thank you so much, Rafael. Thank you for listening. Claim Denied. Their father fled like he had evaporated 10 days after her little sister died. He left her mother to plummet into depression. She said the angst had continued to rumble below consciousness for over three years and thanked God counseling had brought her back, even though it flung her into the God-awful truth again. Her father and his choices like thick gray sludge stuck to her ribcage, clogged the arteries round her heart, In her head, she had managed to convince herself that he was a mere annoyance, like a noceum stinging bite on her ankles, followed by an excruciating itch she'd scratch until she drew blood, but the bumps healed over in three or four days. He wasn't worth more than that. Her mother said she can talk about it now. Margot needed to talk too, she said, adding her favorite roomy quote, the wound is the place where the light enters you. Talk, wound, light, whatever. Problem was, no matter what she said, no matter what she did, no matter how hard she tried, all that convincing in her head never did move that fucking sludge. She'd learned to live with it. It was still dark at 6.15 a.m. and Margot had struggled to sleep all night. She was fine with it, though. Made sense to her that she'd dwell on her painful past just as she was about to embark on an incredible future. She gave in to her insomnia and sat on the side of the bed, legs dangling, chin on the chest, shoulders curled over her heart. Then she turned on the lamp on the nightstand and stared at the three family photos. One, a picture of her and Sam three months before she died. Another with her mom skiing at Afton Alps. And then with Andy at the University of Minnesota on her graduation day. The photo was set in a shiny silver frame with birds perched along the top, a gift from Andy. Truth was, she had plenty to be happy about, thrilled even, her Andy, Andre Arlo Stefan, that is. He loved her and he would do anything for her, like he nursed her when she had mono, came to her rescue when she was charged and nearly expelled for allegedly cheating on a chem exam at the university, 
even though he noticed her notes etched on the inside of her wrist. The best? He knew what had happened with Sam and how she hated her dad. She told him all of her secrets and he still loved her. In two days, they'd be in Kosovo. He'd work for the State Department. She'd teach. Together, they'd make a difference in people's lives throughout the world, one country at a time, starting in Pristina, Kosovo. But right now, today, Margot wanted to ski. She put on her university sweatshirt, stained and ragged with wear. Her ski pants that she bought secondhand in Uptown, the bohemian side of Minneapolis. And rather than waking her mom, she left a note. Off to the Alps. Love you, Margot. She texted Andy the same message. She wanted to share her last time on Afton with Andy. When she got outside, she tossed her gear in the trunk of her beater car, her beloved Myrtle, a 2004 Honda. It was a rusty blue mangled with minor fender benders, and that's why she loved Myrtle. They were kindred spirits, bitchy survivors. She cleared the ice and snow from Myrtle's windshield, patted her hood with a smile, and climbed inside. A check for a text from Andy was a waste of time, nothing. Embers of heat flared between her shoulder blades. That was her body's typical response to frustration. She sighed and rattled her torso as she turned the ignition. Come on, Myrtle, she said. Help me out. Myrtle choked a bit before sounding a long vroom. Margot watched her breath puff through the icy air. Took another 15 minutes before Myrtle got warmed up. This was nothing to her because she'd lived her entire life in Denver. That is, until Myrtle brought her and her mom cross-country to attend the University of Minnesota. They had two weeks of great conversation with crazy full laughter, singing their favorite songs over and over again, like songs like Blackbird by the Beatles and My Girl by the Temptations and especially Don Henley's The Heart of the Matter. They weren't just mother and daughter. They were best friends. She needed her mom, and likewise, her mom needed her. Her heart cramped, imagining 5,158 miles, the distance between Minneapolis and Pristina. She recoiled at the thought of leaving her mother alone to fend for herself in a big city where nearly 24,000 thefts and assaults took place last year. That was way more than all of Kosovo, although kidnapping, sex trafficking, and armed robbery were prevalent, especially in Pristina. Whatever. She had Andy, and she agreed with him. Nothing worth achieving was without peril. Her mom said she was being overly dramatic. She flipped her chestnut brown hair back and pulled into the Afton App Ski Resort. Myrtle was alone in the parking lot. Good news and bad news. Good news, because she wanted to be alone with Andy on these hills one last time. Bad, because Andy's car wasn't there. Hey, Brooks said from behind the ticket counter, you're early. Only one ticket today? Yeah, I guess. She crinkled her eyes and gave him her credit card. Brooks was a handsome kid, good-hearted, and everybody loved him. She had told him repeatedly he'd be a star in public relations, make oodles of money instead of wasting his time and talent at a less-than-stellar ski resort. He always shied away from her compliments and just said he loved the Alps. Margot had done all she could to push this boy to making something of himself. You and Andy offered Kosovo tomorrow, he said. 
Day after tomorrow, yay! Hey, wait, is that a Helly Hansen jacket you have on? Love to have one of those myself. They're 800 bucks on sale. How do you dress so well, Mr. Brooks Carlson, especially on minimum wage? It's been great getting to know you guys, he said. Jana and I will hate missing those dinners at your mom's house. The corners of his mouth turned up as he returned her credit card and handed her a locker key. He hadn't answered her question, but she didn't press. I love her. Jana, skinny, introverted, the intellect, had a thriving accounting business. Margot never knew what was going on behind her onyx eyes, except she idolized Brooks. When you two get married, she said. Her father's still giving you fits? Yeah. Mr. Mihalovic, he's so old school Serbian. But be not concerned. I'm going to crack that nut, he laughed. Also, I'm going to check in on your mom. I love her. She loves you too. She says you're the son she never had. She found her locker and checked her phone one last time. No text. She rammed her cell in her backpack and shoved it inside the locker. She rushed to catch the lift to her favorite black diamond, Rose's Run. Yes, it was no Breckenridge, but it was hers. She had learned to conquer every trail in the last four years. She looked forward to doing the same in Kosovo at the Brozovica Ski Resort. After adjusting her helmet and goggles and rattling the tightness out of her knees, she took two deep breaths and holding the third for three seconds. Then growling with an extended exhale, she propelled forward toward the toughest moguls at Afton. After the first 15 seconds, the treacherous exhilaration began. She attacked each mound with peak perfection, topped each apex, recovered, and prepared for the next. She loved dominating the steep run, muscles pumping, a slow burn, wind ripping past her ears, passion and physicality wrapped in explosive endorphins. Nothing was better. Well, maybe sex. She skied five runs, and on the sixth, she stopped halfway and looked up the hill. Green pine trees blanketed with snow framed the run. A lone cirrus cloud punctuated the ultra-blue sky. She inhaled, soaking in the artistry. Awesome, a voice said from behind. The familiar tone sent tingles through her body, but she didn't move. She held her gaze, especially this time of day. I'm talking about you, my love. She turned around facing Andy. Her heart fluttered as it did every time she laid eyes on him. He wore his mishmash snow gear and camouflage sweats. A dingy yellow sweater peeked out from under his plaid blue and green jacket. No helmet, no goggles. His frayed New York Jets stocking cap accentuated his dazzling blue eyes. He wore his one-size-fit-all cotton gloves, Walmart's $2.99 specials, useless in Minnesota winters, and a total contradiction to his top-of-the-line black crow skis. Same for his geometric pattern scarf designed by the Russian artist Kashmir Malovic and his David Yurman watch, valued at $5,000, all gifts from his wealthy father. Andy said he detested his dad along with his super rich elitists friends who were self-absorbed and oblivious to the rest of the world outside their personal orbit. Margot loved his liberalism yet puzzled when he kept all those expensive gifts. Perhaps they represented hope he and his dad would accept their differences someday. Get my text, she said, 
with a threatening tone. No, I bought a new phone last night and it's been transferring data all night. Got a new number. I went to your house and your mom said you were here. Another new phone? Didn't you just get one last month? Her wry smile reflected a stubborn frustration. Did, but it's slowing down, acting up. And I wanted a few more bells and whistles anyway, darling. I wish I could get you in a body hug. But this will have to do, given our ski paraphernalia. He placed the end of his pole on her shoulder. I knight ye, my mistress, Margot Evelyn Hart. I professeth my forever love for you. As always, despite her best efforts, she couldn't resist his, his spellbinding charm. Her disappointment melted away. She wanted to play too. My lord, Andre Orlo Stefan, I profess my forever, ever after love for you, my darling hunk. <gasps> Let us descendeth thouest hills, he thrust his pole in the air. She said, we shall race once again. I shall kick us thouest lovely arse. Alas, my lady, mm, you mayest. Besides, he bursted out laughing. I don't mind getting beat by a girl again. He scooted next to her, bumped her hips and aligned their skis. Ready, he said. One, two, three. They left together. Then in an instant, he was out in front. She's told herself he'd fade after the first five moguls or less. Yet he was staying in front of her longer than expected. Patience, she said to herself. Then at mound five, his pole work got sloppy. Margus squealed, go, lowering her center of gravity and leaned forward, upper body motionless, knees bobbing like cylinder heads in a finely tuned car. She breezed past him and home free, she slid into a 180, throwing an arc of snow four feet in the air. She giggled as Andy struggled on one ski, fighting to stay upright. Damn it, he said. He nearly collided with her, but managed to stop before crashing into the out-of-bounds barrier. Foiled again, he howled. God, you could have hung yourself, she said, and you got snot everywhere. Ick. Andy used his Walmart specials to clean his face and reached over trying to rub Margot's mouth with his sticky glove. Margot jerked to stay clear, lost her balance, keeled over into the yellow plastic tape. Andy, in quick pursuit, his ski caught on a stanchion. He tripped falling on top of her and removed his knitted cap. His hair with subtle blonde streaks fell to his shoulders and brightened his blue eyes. He shifted her goggles over her helmet and nuzzled snow in her face, followed with a wet, playful kiss. Damn, you are fearless. Ah, she said, competency banishes apprehension. She puffed and expanded her chest with a wide grin. Yeah, I should try it sometimes, he chuckled. My, my, my lord, once thou's mistress, always thou's mistress, she said, moisture filling her eyes and nose. Aha, I think thee not, my betrothed. I beg of you, kindest lover, lover of my forever. Will thou'st marry me? Margot swallowed when she noticed his pupils expanded, leaving a narrow ring of blue iris. Their play had turned serious, and so would she. Why? Why do you want me to marry you? Andy paused and touched her cheek. Because you are my everything. We're so good together. I love you beyond description. I know. I know that must sound silly, but it's true. 
Doesn't sound silly, she said. And I wouldn't care if it did. My, my entire body is buzzing and singing. I love you so much. Oh, he said, I'm getting a call. He struggled to unzip his coat jacket. He tossed his gloves and yanked his cell out, rolled off of her and scrambled up. Already? I don't even have your number. Who'd you give your number to, Andy? He ignored her. I gotta take this, he said, waving her off.